Hello you guys, it's Katie, and welcome back to another episode of Crime and Crochet. In this week's episode, we're going to be covering the case of Dana Yule, who had his sister and two parents murdered on Easter Sunday. Which, by the way, happy Easter, y'all, because the day this episode is coming out is Easter. So I hope you guys enjoy yourself, whether you are celebrating or not. And I figured this case would be an interesting one to cover since it occurred on Easter. So with that, let's just get straight into it. Dana Yule was born on January 28th of 1971 in Fresno, California to his parents, Dale and Glee Yule, who also had their daughter, Tiffany Yule, who was his older sister, and she was born on May 1st of 1967, also in Fresno, California. Their father, Dale Yule, was a United States Air Force veteran, as well as once he left the military, he started a plane company, which did really well and made him a multimillionaire. Glee Yuen had a job in public service, specifically with the State Bar of California Committee that evaluated prospective judges, meaning she basically helped choose judges in the state of California, and this paid her good money as well. So not only was the family very well off with the jobs they had, but they also had substantial investments in the stock market and local farmland, meaning that they were very well off financially, but they actually lived relatively modest lifestyles and avoided flaunting their wealth, which was estimated to be about 7 to $8 million, which is equivalent to somewhere between $12.5 and $14 million in 2017, which, according to an inflation calculator that I used, that would be about 16 six something another million dollars in 2022 so that is a lot of money and they did not live in like a huge house or whatever of course they didn't live in a small house since they were well off but they didn't live like they had that much money even though they did basically now there doesn't really seem to be much wrong with the family not any like big sort of arguments or falling outs until 1990 when Dana is in college at Santa Clara University to get a degree in finance and he starts to claim that his family's money is because of him being a wealthy entrepreneur. He goes around telling people at his school that He started multiple businesses at a young age, and that's why his parents and his family have so much money, when obviously all of this is not the truth. Their money has come from his father's business and his mother's career, as well as all of their investments. So when this kind of takes off at his school, it gets published in the yearbook as well as in the school's newspaper, and that obviously made his parents very mad when they saw that he was depicting himself as a self-made millionaire, when obviously that was not the case at all. 
after his parents learned about him doing this, they were reported to have changed their estate plans, which I assume means kind of like their will, what was going to happen to the estate afterward, and extended family believed that Dale had planned on ending his financial support of his son after he graduated college, which is definitely a big possible motive for the three murders that are to come. Now skipping forward about two years, Dana Yule is still in college getting his degree, and for April of 1992, Easter weekend, he is out of town with his girlfriend, and that leaves Dale Glee and their daughter Tiffany at home for Easter weekend by themselves without Dana being there. And on April 19th, which was Sunday, Easter Sunday of 1992, the family is not heard from after then. And actually, Dana is the one that says he's concerned and he hasn't heard from them. So he contacts some family friends and they go over to the house and that's when they discover that Tiffany, Dale, and Glee are murdered inside the home and they have been shot. So of course they call the police but they've been dead for about two days after the family friends come and find them. So of course there's no reviving them or anything like that. At this point, it's just a hunt for whoever did this instead of actually trying to save them. When the investigators were collecting evidence, they noticed that all of the rounds that had been fired were actually picked up by the killer. So there was nothing to tell them about the gun or anything that was used, but they did notice that the bullets that were still inside the victims were from a 9mm, which was the ammo that Dale himself had bought. So this actually tracks to the person committing the murders knowing the ammunition that they had in the home and using that to kill the family. So of course this leads to someone that is close to the family that has to know the type of ammunition he would have bought all of that kind of stuff now of course right off the bat investigators are kind of suspicious of dana just because he is the only person in the family that did not end up being murdered and he just happened to be out of town the weekend that this happened if it happened to be a random person that maybe had something against the family because of their money or something like that it probably would have just been a random time when he would have actually been home. So the fact that it happened to be a time where he was not home made them very suspicious. So he was kind of the first person that they looked into. And of course, with all of the evidence about the killer using ammo that was already in the home, it made sense that maybe he was involved in some way even though he did have this alibi of being out of town with his girlfriend. The crime scene did seem almost like a robbery because things were kind of moved around, all of that type of thing that would happen in a robbery. But the thing was, is nothing of 
much value was even taken from the home. So if the motive for the killings was a robbery, there would have been a lot of more valuable items taken from the home. As well as another piece of evidence that was big in this case was the fact that they believed a homemade silencer was used on the gun that was used to kill the victims. And they believed this because first off, no neighbors had heard any sort of gunshots at the time of the murders when they would have occurred on that Easter Sunday, as well as somehow they could tell from the bullets that were still inside the victims' bodies. I know nothing about guns or ammunition or anything about that, so I cannot really explain to you how they'd be able to tell this, but apparently they were obviously able to tell this, they're experts, and they came to the conclusion that the person who did this had a homemade silencer on the gun. Police did end up investigating a lot of other people that were involved in Dale's life as far as business dealings and things like that. They had a couple people that he was business partners with or almost became business partners with and then business deals fell through, things like that. So they did investigate those people just to ensure that they had nothing to do with it because, again, things like that could cause someone to have a motive for murder, but all of the people that they questioned and all the information they turned up just led back to their son and none of it led to any of his business dealings or anything like that. Now, something interesting that I do want to note, and this is something that obviously is not really evidence that could be used in court or anything like that, but this is something that his uncle noted is that whenever he was told that he could not access his parents' money until he was at the age of 30 because it was in a trust fund, he got really upset and really angry that he didn't have access to the money. And that is reported from his uncle who told him this information. So that is something that from the outside looking in is very strange and does make the average person even more suspicious of his actions and you know he didn't seem sad about his parents being dead he seemed more upset that he couldn't get their money now despite him not being able to access his parents money because of this trust fund he was the beneficiary for a life insurance policy they had for about three hundred thousand dollars and Shortly after the murders, it even became more suspicious because his friend, Joel, that he knew from college, really abruptly dropped out of school and came under suspicion because he moved in with him into his parents' house that they were murdered in. And this friend was also very much into guns and explosives and of course, with all of that being the case, it really made investigators suspicious, so they start to look into this guy. As investigators are looking more into Joel, they also have more forensic analysis done on the bullets that are in the victims, and they are able to track down that it was a high-end 9mm specialty rifle that was manufactured in 
Trinidad, Colorado, and they are able to track the purchases from this company, and they find that a family friend of Joel's is a person that has purchased one of these guns. When they go and talk to this guy, he says he purchased that gun and gave it to Joel, not knowing that he obviously had plans to use it in a murder he just thought he was giving him this gun because he was a gun collector and it was one that he really wanted yada 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 all that kind of stuff this guy is not involved at all he just happened to be the person that purchased the gun unfortunately now that they have this person that has purchased the gun and he is linked to joel who has the gun and very well could have committed the murders and Joel is linked to their son who has motive to have his parents killed all of it is linking up they have enough evidence so they finally arrest Dana and Joel both at the same time and shortly after their case goes to trial both Joel and Dana were facing the possibility of the death penalty, and both of their attorneys actually had separate theories on what they should do. Joel's attorney thought there was way too much evidence, so instead of trying to prove Joel as being innocent, he instead tried to lessen the sentence to a life without parole, or just life in prison instead of trying to claim that he is innocent versus for Dana his attorney decided that they were going to try to have the outcome of him being innocent either way both of them ended up with a sentence of a life without the possibility of parole and all of their appeals have been denied meaning they are still in jail and Neither of them have gotten the chance to be released at all, which is obviously what life without parole is supposed to be. The only way they would get out is if more evidence or something like that came up and they decided that there was enough of it for there to be a retrial or something like that. And then if that trial, they were found innocent, then they would be acquitted. But that would be basically the only situation which, with all the evidence they had, I do not see that ever really happening. But anyways, y'all, that is it for this case. So with that, let's get on to this week's crochet pattern. This week's crochet pattern feature is by teal.dragonfly.creations on Instagram. And it is the Crystal Cove Kimono pattern, which is actually named after Crystal Cove Beach in Southern California which she said is one of her favorite places to visit anytime she goes home to visit family, which I think is super special. And this pattern uses either two or three skeins of Lion Brand shawl in a cake or a similar worsted weight number four yarn. And she said she used roughly 840 yards in the color Mellow Muse for medium slash large and a six millimeter crochet hook 12 stitch markers tapestry needle and scissors and the piece measures approximately 42 48 or 56 inches around the bust with an approximate length of 35 inches 
And this piece is super stretchy and blocking before sewing will increase the length and width. There are also options for poncho, side slit, and no slit for this pattern. And you can find this pattern on Ravelry.com. And honestly, the best way for you guys to check this out if you want to see a picture, as well as pictures from this episode and my sources, you can just head over to my Instagram, which is at crime and crochet, as all one word, and I always tag the pattern creator and show a picture of the pattern. So that's kind of one place you can just find everything if you're interested. But she is just teal dot dragonfly dot creations on Instagram. And again, just like all my pattern creators, she has so many more as well. If you are interested in checking them out, that of course is all over her Instagram, Ravelry, all of that kind of stuff. So with that, y'all, that is kind of it for this episode. But again, make sure y'all check her out with this pattern as well as her other ones. So again, before I wrap up this episode, I just wanted to remind you guys that you can check out today's crochet pattern as well as my sources, pictures of the people involved in this case, and much, much more over on my Instagram at crime and crochet as all one word, as well as if you want to help me out, the best way you can help me is leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening on if you are enjoying the podcast. With that, thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I hope you will join me here next Saturday for the next episode of Crime and Crochet, and make sure y'all are staying safe out there so you don't end up being one of these victims we talk about every week. Goodbye, y'all.